Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Welcome back to the Your Family Dog podcast. I'm joined today with my co-host, Julie Fudge-Smith, and my good friend, Stephanie Kern, who is a vet tech and one of our instructors. I've known her a long time. She's fantastic. So like Ruthie and Annalise, you are likely to fall in love with her. Um, And today we're going to talk about what your vet tech wished you knew. Um, And so I want to welcome my good friend, um, Stephanie, to the podcast and say hello to to Julie again. (laughs) (laughs) She looks, Julie looks marvelous today. Her hair looks fantastic. I got a haircut yesterday, so we're going to thank Michael, the Albanian hairdresser, for that. Nicely done. (laughs) Yes. All right. So, as is tradition, I did the introduction, and so Julie will ask the first question. Okay. Well, Stephanie, thank you for joining us today. Appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to spend some time with us. Um, What would be the first thing that you would want owners to know about vet techs or what they can do for vet techs or vet techs or whatever it is, what's the first thing you want owners to know? I would like owners to know, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, I would like owners to know that in general, treat your vet staff like you would treat your family or your friends, you know, be, treat them as you would want to be treated, be polite and know that they're there for your pet to help you and your pet feel better. Um, not to make money, Yes, veterinarians are a business, but we're really there for your pet, and that's our number one goal. Okay, well, that's a, certainly a good goal. Um, uh, although when you said treat them like their family, I got to tell you, there are some families I don't want to be a member of. So um, <laughs> <laughs> treat them nicely. That's nice right. Perhaps better, more like treat them the way you would want to be treated. Um, although that may be precarious for some people too. But in general, I take I get your drift that they are people too, and they're just trying their best to do the best for you. So yeah. bear that in mind. And um, you know, it's a whacked out time for all of us. So we need to have, I think, some extra patience and kindness with each other. So once somebody's being nice to you, um, what's the second thing you want them to know? Nothing is free. Nothing in life is free. Nothing at your vet is free. If you do get free stuff at your vet, awesome. But in life, nothing is free. Everything has a price. There's a reason for the prices. And 99% of the time, the people in the building, your receptionists, your vet techs, even most of the doctors, don't actually have a ton of control over the prices, especially if they're corporately owned. We just do what we're told. Um, So we don't control the prices. We can't just change them willy nilly. If, you know, you complain about them, that doesn't change the price. It just complains our, it changes our attitude towards you. Um, (laughs) But it doesn't change the price if you complain about it. Okay. That's good to know because, you know, like medications, you have to, you pay a certain amount for medication and, you know, it just, that is what it is. So, um, sometimes I think people forget that you also, uh, you get what you pay for. So, um, 
too. Yes. Yes. Right. So I think you need to remember that. Um, you know, I, I often think that it's a little bit like um, having uh, somebody come clean your house, right? Like mom cleans your house for free. <laughs> so I think sometimes when people find out what the price would be to have their house cleaned by someone who's doing that as a service for them, they're a little bit stunned that it's not free. Like the expectation is it should be free. Well, you know, moms also kiss knees and put band-aids on. And for Julie and I, because we're old, there was mercurochrome that hurt terribly and burned, taught you to just, I don't know, rub dirt on the wound because it's not worth the burning sensation you're going to get for asking for support. Um, but the the reality is that you know, we doctor minor stuff, right? We go and take headache medicine if we have a headache and we go and, you know, put a Band-Aid on if we cut ourselves. And I think sometimes to a certain extent, because that the perception is that that's free in air quotes, that some things veterinary wise are the same thing. Like, can't you just like put a dab of Neosporin and some, a Band-Aid on it? And, and sometimes you can. So I hear that a lot of, well, if you really love animals, you would just do it for free. We wish we could. Like all, I think I can speak for most veterinarians, veterinary staff. If we could do everything for free for our clients and still take home a paycheck, we probably would. Um, so I wish, you know, I wish we could do it for free, but you know, there is, we do have to turn on the lights in the building. We do have an overhead just like any other business and there are paychecks to pay. So um, I do think there is a, also a bit of selection to find the right vet and vet staff for you. Um, just like our spouses are the right fit for us. And it might've taken a few to get to the right one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully not a few spouses, maybe a few, you know, <laughs> dates are trying on. It's like, okay, so like you're my fifth trial spouse. So, right. we're, you know, six is a charm kind of thing. No, I don't think we, we quite do that. I, I get what you're saying. The other thing is that I also want to emphasize about the, the money thing is is my husband's an attorney. And when he was a, a new attorney, he went to, I don't know, there was some seminar or something that he went to. I can't remember exactly what it was. And there was a guy who was saying, um, you know, how to organize your office. He said, and one thing you need to do is put a picture on your desk of your family. And anytime that you are tempted to say, oh, I'll do this for free, for free, take a look at that. Those are the people that you are supporting. And you have to understand that those of us in the pet industry, we may be here because we love animals, but, and I do give an awful lot of free advice, more so than I should, but people seem to fail to remember that this is also how I earn a living. And if you want me to come to your house, if they want you to bandage their pet or clean out their ears on their dog or whatever, then you have to also understand that you have a family to support. You have groceries to put on the table. You've got gas you need to put in the car so that you can get to the vet office that, um, while we may like to do it for free, we also all have obligations in life. And um, we have the right to get a return on our investment of time and education as well. So I, I will say my second favorite vet tech, Lori at <laughs> Animal Wellness Center, 
does tell my dogs every time and cat every time we go that weights and temps are free. So there, there you go. There is something that's free. There you go. Right. I was, they I was incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so Stephanie, the other day I had a client who was frustrated, right? Her dog is having a significant issue. She's of course worried. She was given a time to come pick her dog up and then had to wait, right? And she's already anxious with curbside. They're being very careful about COVID restrictions. She loves the vet, right? Like she absolutely loves her vet, but was, you know, kind of complaining a little bit about like, it's really unprofessional and disrespectful. You tell me to be here at this time. And then I sit and wait for 45 minutes. Um, and I don't understand, you know, the, the COVID restrictions and why is everything curbside now and I just had a veterinary emergency where I could not go in with my dog even though I've had a second vaccine I had a mask you know the veterinary school was not going to let me uh, go in with my dog at a veterinary emergency and it was worrisome we handled it but it was it was worrisome um can you can you give the other side because I try to do that for people like I I said to my friend well they may have had an emergency come in Right. And I also shared with her how veterinary clinics, the exam rooms are so small, you can't do social distancing. Yeah. So I don't like when our clients have to wait like that stresses us out. That stresses the receptionist out, stresses all the staff out when we are not on the timetable that we told the client to. Right. So I would say that stuff happens. Um, like Tina said, emergencies happen surgeries run long, you know, that new puppy appointment that was supposed to take 20 minutes, owner had lots of questions, had to, you know, discuss different things and how to do things at home with that puppy owner. They happen to be a new puppy or a first time dog owner. So that 20 minute appointment is now running into 45 to 50 minutes. Um, so unfortunately, like stuff happens, we can't stick to our timetable but just know that that stresses us out and we don't enjoy that any more than you hate waiting in your car. Um, my vet currently is not curbside. We did curbside. Um, and the people above me that um, make decisions <laughs> decided that um, we could safely open. Um, we do have COVID protocols for a reason. You know, it's a global pandemic. Everyone had to adjust. Um, everyone's doing their best to learn kind of on the fly about how to keep everyone safe. Um, I would say whether your vet is doing curbside or not is not any reflection on how your animal is going to get treated. Um, I actually find that a lot of pets, mainly dogs, um, are more relaxed without having their owner in the room. Um, now, of course, that's a case by case basis, but um, I actually see that doing the exam, the vaccines, whatever, the diagnostics in our treatment area away from the owner waiting in the room helps us do things quicker um, and then bringing your pet back to you to wait. So just know that your vet is doing their best with adapting to a global pandemic um, and whether they're curbside or not doesn't mean your the care that your pet is getting is changing um they're still treating your pet with respect and hopefully kindness 
Um, whether we're in a hurry or not, we try to do our best. So how are dogs managed when you bring them in from curbside? Like I'm assuming you're kind of racking and stacking how things go. So explain to people what happens once they hand their dog over to the vet tech. So you hand your dog over to the vet tech. We come inside, most likely lock the door behind us, um, and then take our your pet into our main treatment area, get that free weight and temperature. Um, if the doctor is available to examine your pet right away, great, we do that. Um, we have vaccines ready. We do the vaccines or whatever routine prevention we're doing, and then more than likely, unless your pet is just a rock star and will just lay at your feet and relax while I put in charges in the computer, 99% of the time they're going to go in a cage. Um, so if your dog is crate trained, we love that. Um, we could definitely can tell which dogs are not crate trained. Um, there, in most vets, there are separate dog and cat areas. Um, your pet is never just going to be thrown in a room with other dogs to play. It's not daycare. Um, and then your vet will either come to the room or call you, depending on if they're curbside, discuss any further options, treatment, things like that. And then you pay over the phone or with the receptionist up front. Your pet is then taken out of the cage to the car, to you up front, cage, table, everything's disinfected. And we move on to the next. So big bonus if your dog is crate trained. Really helps out your vet techs. Well, and probably helps out the dog. Yes. So the dog's not so stressed. So free crate sure. training is what you're saying. Yeah. You know, you, you, we, free. <laughs> We're racking up That's right. Free you get free weight, free, uh, free temperature, and we will glad you put your dog in a crate for free. So, you know, <laughs> just the freebies just keep we'll rolling. All right. So you have a list. What are some other things that you wish owners knew? I wish that people would know 99% of the time your vet or vet staff does not make commission on products, no matter what product we give you. Um, speaking of money as well, if you have a certain budget, um, like everyone has a budget, whether it's unlimited or not, everyone has an amount that they are comfortable spending please tell us that up front. Please tell us that up front. I can't tell you how many times I've heard, oh, just do everything. Everything's fine. Just do whatever you have to. And then the bill comes to whatever, 450 and they say, oh, I only have $200. So I would also say that most of the time, most veterinarians, um, don't offer payment plans because we've gotten burned on payment plans. We have lots of people we have to chase down, send to collections. Um, so your vet doesn't offer payment plans for a reason. There are care credit, um, scratch pay. There's several options. But if those aren't an option, just be upfront with your vet about what you are willing and able to spend comfortably um, so that you can still put food on your table. Um, just so we don't go to extreme lengths and then come to find out we did all this for nothing. I would also say, as best you can, bring in stool, so poop, um, and urine samples for your pet so that we don't have to go get them. It's not fun for us. It's really not. 
Um, and bonus, if your pet is there for a UTI or urinary issues, don't walk them around the clinic and let them pee all outside and then come in and expect us to collect a urine sample. Their bladder's empty. We can't do that. We can't make pee. And then I would also say to just in general, advocate for your pet. So if there's something that your pet does not enjoy or, I mean, in general, veterinary uh, experiences are like what Tina calls an alien abduction. Um, so nothing really is fun. But if your pet is really sensitive about toenails or their back hurts, please tell us. Um, tell us of certain things that they are sensitive about and advocate for your pet in general. If you don't get a good feeling or you don't enjoy your experience, let someone know, um, speak to a manager, have some constructive criticism. Don't go bashing us on social media. That doesn't really, that doesn't really help anyone. Um, and I would also say that um, if you have any weird questions, don't be embarrassed. We've heard it all. I can't tell you how many times I've heard, well, this is going to sound weird, but I promise I don't get surprised very often. I've probably heard it before, and I'd rather you be upfront and honest about whatever, whatever your pet eats, whatever random experience that you've had with your pet. I'd rather you be upfront and honest so that we can use that information to diagnose and um, help you with your pet as well. Okay, those are all really good suggestions. So one of my questions for you, Stephanie, is um, in vet tech training, how much low stress handling um, uh, training do you get? So it depends on um, where, what kind of schooling you went to. So I would say, I would estimate probably 60% of vet techs are trained in school. Um, so a vet tech program, um, the other portion are on the job trained, um, like I was. I have my bachelor's in wildlife biology, but I did not specifically go to school to be a vet tech. Um, most techs are trained on the job. We do try our best to, you know, we don't want to wrestle your pets. So we do endeavor to learn as much as we can. There is a fear-free um, program that I think is awesome. Um, most, some clinics do compensate their vets and vet techs to go to that program um, or do that program at home. Um, I have not had the opportunity, but I think it's awesome um, for those that can and are able to do that. Okay. Well, cause I, I asked because in general, um, I've been, uh, just very pleased with the vet techs that I've had to, to work with or, or allowed to, um, you know, take my animal out of my sight. Um, you know, just sort of, it, because it's a leap of faith for us as well. We don't know what goes on in the back room. So it's a leap of faith for the owner to say, okay, I'm going to entrust my anxious little girl to you and hope she comes back okay. Um, and I remember one time when I it was at um, an emergency um, because our golden had 
um, well, we're not going to say why his cone was off. It wasn't my doing that his cone was off, but his cone was off, and he decided that he didn't really need stitches in that tail wound, did he? And so the best place to take those stitches out would probably be to lay underneath the lilac bush in the mud, because that's a good place to take out stitches, don't you think? So we did. Well, yeah, yeah, and and I think it's also important that you do it after the vet's office has closed. So, I mean, ideally, you're doing it two seconds before they close, so that like you can call the vet long enough to for them to say they're closing. Yeah, or or you know, uh, it's yeah. Anyway, so or it's dark, and so you don't really know that he's underneath the lilac bush <laughs> in the mud, and you've come home and you're like, why is this cone on the table? Rather than on the dog. Anyway, so Hudson, as you can presume, had his cone off and um, had taken his stitches out. So that was a med vet visit. And Hudson was understandably stressed. And the the tech was trying to leave. She was like pulling him down the hall. And I, I said, let's just stop for a minute. Let me help you. So I actually got down on the floor and crawled along with Hudson, to encourage him to go into the back room, and I gave her some treats. And I understand that she felt a certain urgency to get him into the treatment area, but I also kind of thought, he's not dying. And so we could take a a little bit. And she got a little testy with me. Um, I I didn't ask her to crawl. Um, But so I I think that um, sometimes owners... um, feel a little bit I think there's a balance here is what I guess I'm trying to say is that I really appreciate the I would say 99.99% of all vet techs do a fabulous job and they really are very sensitive but I think there's also room to say hey you need to you know you know as I tell my my um some of my tech um it's like I've never had a dog write a check you know, it's always the people who are writing the checks. <laughs> right? Like when I get someone who says, oh, I want to come and be an apprentice, but I don't like people. But I, boy, I love dogs. I'm like, well, then you're going to have to else? go yeah. somewhere so else. Because here we love people, right? Because the people that's come right. with the pets. And the pocketbooks. Even though we can be exasperating sometimes, like they're there because they right. want to help. And, and I kind right? of feel like sometimes like, techs, because I've had techs say that to me too, so that, that I like I like the job because I love dogs. Well, that's great. Um, so, but like I said, I, I just, I, I don't know what this discourse is about, more or less to say, I think that there's the other side of the coin too, that I think sometimes vet techs yeah. have to understand that you're dealing with, um, just take a breath. Just take a breath and decide whether or not this is an emergency where we have to swoop the dog out or whether or not I can allow this owner, this really bizarre woman, to crawl along the floor with her dog to get him to go into the back room. Yeah. I'm dropping. Yeah. <laughs> so so, uh, so let's to, to get away from dogs for a moment, even though this is the Your Family Dog podcast. Is there anything you can tell people like me with cats that would make it easier on you and the cat as far as like what we can do at home to prepare our our feline brethren, our familiars for to, sure? 
to stop being idiots at the vet. <laughs> so to go back to what Julie said, I would totally agree that there are two sides to every coin. And what you did sounds awesome where you did advocate for your pet and you're like, hey, you don't have to do that. Here's another way. I wish more people would do that, actually. Um, I wouldn't say I've never pulled a dog, um, but stuff happens. We're in a hurry. But always just say, hey, there's another way. He likes this kind of treat. This will get him going, um, things like that. So to go back to what Tina said, um, I think the big thing with cats, no, I know one cat that likes to go to the vet. <laughs> I've been doing this for eight years. Um, no cat likes the vet. What you can do at home, leave your carrier out all the time. So it's like if we as humans stayed in our house all the time, the only time we got in our car was to go to the gynecologist. Um, that would be awful. Same thing for cats. This box that only comes out that they get shoved into and then they go to this place in a car, which they're not used to. They go to this place where they get poked and prodded and strange smells and there's dogs barking. Um, so the most preparation that you can do um, is leave your carrier out all the time, open, um, feed treats. You can feed your cat in it. So it's just this thing that exists all the time. Um, mine actually sits under my TV table um, and I frequently give my cat tuna fish in it because um, she would sell her soul for tuna fish. Um, so it's not as stressful every time I do have to put her in the carrier. Um, the other thing is... Can I interrupt real quick? Revisit um, What about feel away? Yeah. Do you, do you think... Um, is, does, does feel away... I know it's a diffuser. Does it come as a spray? Can you spray that in the in the cat carrier? Would that is that yeah. helpful? So Heck yeah. So feel away, we actually use it on um, every cat that I handle. Um, I have a towel that's sprayed with the feel away spray. Um, and then that is used to handle the um, cat. Or if we're in a holding pattern, I put that towel over their carrier. Um, it definitely can take the notch down. I it's not going to totally sedate your cat, but it definitely can help. Um, they just came out with wipes as well. So they have wipes, um, spray, a diffuser, or a collar, whatever works best for your pet. Um, but it definitely takes the stress down a notch and we do use it in the clinic, but it definitely would be more helpful to use it at home. Um, the other thing, speaking of sedating, um, there are, there's a pretty benign medication that we can give to cats before their visit. Um, it usually comes in a powder. You'd obviously have to talk to your veterinarian about it, but it can make your cat's visit much less stressful. Um, and make our job easier um, so we don't get bitten scratched because nobody likes that. Um, so that we can make this once a year or with cats once every 10 to 15 years, um, visit to the vet um, a little less stressful and less like an alien abduction as much as we can. So what's the most common thing that is completely preventable that you see in the vet's office, like that you're, you're just like, this is like, this would be such an easy thing for the world to, to change that would make cat and dogs lives better, save people money. Like if there was one thing. 
I have a couple things. Is that cheating? Sure. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, I would say heartworm prevention um, is probably my biggest deal um, in dogs, obviously. Um, cats is a whole different story. But heartworm prevention is comes in either an injection or an oral chew um, or some topicals that I'm not super fan of. But um, I think it's pretty preventable. And heartworms really kind of suck. They're expensive, they're harsh on the body to treat, and it's pretty, pretty 100%, 99, just to cover our bases, 99% effective to prevent heartworms. Um, The other thing I would say is going to be dietary indiscretion. So that can range from anything from... Pianos? Yes. Rocks? Socks. Um unmentionable did you say pianos bathroom trash (laughs) (laughs) pianos you actually had a cat eat a piano (laughs) no but i did have a puppy client that their puppy tried to eat the little kids tiny little play piano and because i'm pretty sure that if my mother-in-law, who had a beautiful baby grand, if one of the dogs had tried to eat the piano, there would no be there would be no more dog. Um, <laughs> a piano. Yes, dogs uh, eat a lot of inhale. So now, do cats tend to eat things in the same way that dogs do? Yes. Tinsel. Would you like a Ribbons. list of things that we've pulled out of cat stomachs? Rubber bands. <laughs> The fake grass that comes in Easter baskets, by the way, Easter's coming up. So I've taken a cat to surgery for that. Lilies. $5 bills. Yeah. The owner was upset it wasn't more. (laughs) Okay. So I just had to have my, I have, um, I had to have my washing machine looked at. And it turns out that the lint collector on the, the washing machine needed to be cleaned out. So I asked the tech, this just is as, as an aside. Um, I asked him, I said, what was the most unusual thing you've had to pull out of a lint collector in a, in a washing machine? He said, a $5,000 bracelet. And I'm like, don't I wish, man. Um, so I was thinking when you said that, the $5 bill, because he said, because he, he, as he's cleaning out the lint, he goes, I get any $100 bills. I'm like, as if I've washed a $100 bill. But, um, yeah, I was thinking, I wonder how much jewelry dogs and cats swallow. Um, I've seen a ring, but usually that passes in a dog. Um, haven't seen a ton of jewelry other than rings, but usually those pass. Um, I've seen pieces of tennis ball. Oh, the funniest story. We had um, a, let's see how I can make this anonymous, a professional baseball player's dog who loved to quote chew on baseballs but never eat them went into surgery guess what we pulled out of his stomach (gasps) the cover i was gonna say how many baseballs did you pull out of his stomach (laughs) right it was just the cover was it autographed (laughs) no but did you get an autograph (laughs) (laughs) i tried <laughs> That's right. It would be really um, bad if it was like your uh, your Babe Ruth autographed baseball or you know your Ted Williams autographed baseball. It's like wow, that'd be pretty bad. But uh, there was 
There was some enjoyment when I got to make the phone call during surgery while the doctor was elbow deep in this dog um, and tell the uh, wife that, well, you can't really say that he doesn't eat baseballs yeah. anymore because <laughs> we're pulling it out of his stomach right now. Oh, so what, what would you say is, can you give me sort of just sort of a high low? What's, what's something that you really love about your job? for one. And then what's probably the most difficult part of your job? I actually love talking to new puppy owners. Um, just because of my experience with Tina, I do have a lot of um, suggestions that aren't normally what you're going to hear from your vet because spoiler alert, your vet is probably not trained in behavior. Um, so I know it was surprised me too. Um, surprised me every day about the suggestions that come out of our vets now. That's actually some of our favorite conversations <laughs> is like questions that people have asked a vet that Stephanie's working with and the answer the vet gives when mm. Stephanie knows different answers. And she's like, how, how do I even attempt to broach this subject? And I'm like, yeah, sometimes you just can't. So, I mean, I explain to people, I don't ask my dentist gynecological questions because while they're both doctors they don't really deal with the same things right, right. and i also will under i totally get that like as a trainer i constantly get asked veterinary questions poor veterinarians and their staff are constantly asked behavior questions um and dog training is an unregulated industry so the local shock trainer can totally sell themselves as being competent to a vet and tell a vet anything and the vet believes them. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so I actually love talking to new puppy owners and, um, pointing them towards trainers that are awesome that may or may not be Tina spring. Um, right. but I really like answering their questions and hearing the so is this normal? Um, and yes, a lot of puppy stuff is normal, but it's nice to ferret out the real reason of their question. And normally it's the wife throwing the husband under the bus. Um, but the, I would say the least, um, my least favorite part of my job is, it's going to be a tie between um, euthanasias and dealing with difficult clients they both take the same amount of strength and um, a piece of my heart away. I would say this past year with COVID, um, dealing with difficult clients have has grown to a whole nother level. Um, and it's probably pushed me towards leaving the veterinary industry um, just because of how harsh people have been. And I try to give a lot of grace about they are just as stressed as we are. They may not be working. They're home with their pets more. And they're noticing these issues that may have been going on for longer. And they feel bad they haven't noticed it. Um, but putting um, letting pets go is probably one of the hardest things. 
Um, I, I mean, of course, as a kid, I always was in the room when our family dogs were, you know, euthanized, but I was never, it wasn't super personal. Um, after I had to euthanize my own pet about a year and a half ago, it really took a different turn. So I really, it hurts more, um, especially when it's a, it's a very loved pet that we can't fix. So it's a situation that you're really our hands are tied and we can't fix them. So the most compassionate thing would be to let them go. And it's when they're surrounded by family, that really just punches me in the heart. One of the things that I think I'm most grateful for in our relationship is um, that you've always come. Like if I'm losing a pet, Stephanie is always who comes in, um, is supportive for me. But also when I lose a pet, she, for me, puppy class is the hardest after that, right? When I lost Shorty, um, my heart could not handle puppy class. It was, it was horrible. I thought I could do it and I could not. Um, it, it's still hard sometimes. And it was awesome to have someone on the team who intimately understands how that um, is a trauma. Even when it was a kindness, it's a trauma. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad we've been able to tag each other in and out and say, hey, I can't do it this time. I thought I could. Can you do it? And another note about um, euthanasias is even if your vet seems hands off or, you know, very straight faced and not showing emotion and um, you may seem like they don't care. We're really trying to just protect ourselves from feeling every emotion all the time. We can't break down in every, every room with every client. So it's really just putting, you know, a guard up over our hearts. Right. Well, I think what most people don't understand, and I'm sure that this is for not just for veterinarians, but for anybody in the veterinary industry, whether you're a vet tech or whatever, there's a very high suicide rate among veterinarians. Yes. Um, and it's precisely. And I'm sure. I'm sure. Yes. Vet and there's a too. high amount of burnout and compassion fatigue. And which is another reason why you need to be nice to these people because they deal. It's not just that they're, they're giving your dog shots and it's all happy and good. They're dealing with some major issues and some major emotions and they have patients that they can't explain this to. And it's really and hard on them. And I think that it, it requires, it, it requires to me, um, a level of compassion and understanding and sympathy that is beyond pretty much anything I'd ever be capable of. I often think that it's like elder care, yeah. right? Or dementia care where, or someone who works hospice, right? Like it's that same thing. One of the things that amazed me one day, Stephanie, and I don't even know if she remembers telling me this. She came in one day and she was obviously struggling a little bit. And she shared that like in the same day, they had like three new puppy and kitten appointments back to back with a number of euthanasias for senior dogs that she had known and cared for their whole lives. So she was having to emotionally pivot 
from saying goodbye to a dog she loves to then going, like, dust herself off, pull herself up by her bootstraps, and go in and love a puppy. And I don't know that I would be able to do that. I was that. reading an article in Hold Dog right? Journal about that very thing or, or watching a, a you know a video on it. It's like you don't understand that the, your vet may have just walked out of a euthanasia or out of a room where he's just had to tell a client, I'm sorry, your dog has terminal cancer and if we're lucky, has three weeks to live. Oh, look, it's a brand right. new border collie. Yay. That's, you know, who can right. that that kind of, it's like, I would imagine it feels a lot like being a bingo ball in one of those bingo things that, that's constantly being tossed around that, you know, who knows what's going to come out. And um, that's got to be really hard. So what kinds of things, like, because the people who listen to this podcast love their vets and their vet tech. Like they do. We just like, we're all on the same team. We're on the same team for happy, healthy families and dogs and vets and vet techs. What are some of the best ways we can just love you? Like other than being nice, other than like, do you want baked goods? Do you want flowers? Do Like what can we do that really truly buoys you and makes you go, you know what? This this crappy day maybe is a little bit better because I know that the like something that customers have done that have genuinely made you feel honored and to to be part of the the caretaker team for their pets. Um, so I have three answers to that. Um, your vet staff is probably tired of donuts. I hate to tell you, we are. We're since COVID, we're really tired of donuts. Um lunch because we may never not get a lunch break um either in the form of dropping off you know five pizzas or just giving a gift card or cash for the manager to provide lunch um the other things are gonna be um this is gonna sound really contrite but a review online of that also mentions people by name so not just, hey, my vet is awesome and I love them. It's, hey, Stephanie, you know, was really compassionate with our dog during this time. Or, you know, Dr. Smith was just amazing. Um, really pinpointing what you love about your vet. Um, and then the last thing I would say is... Um, going back to the euthanasia um after a pet has passed we get some really awesome cards um either hand delivered or mail that really thank us for our compassion um and those are probably one of my favorite things is reading the thoughts of hey we hate that you know our dog is our pet is no longer with us but we really like um the care that you provided and thank you for doing your best in a crappy situation. Those are all good things. And I'll remember the donut thing. Although I will say that once you've been vaccinated, you know, Krispy Kreme is, is giving you a donut, <coughs> excuse me, a, a day <laughs> to the end of the year. So, you know, there is that, but uh, we are donuts and, and baked goods, although homemade stuff, 
goes a much longer way than a box of Krispy Kreme. Okay. I will so, tell you. So yeah, so I take the the blueberry muffins. Yes. I try to take a. I try to take my homemade blueberry muffins while they're still warm, and and actually my vet made a point to text me and say like you love us better than anyone else. Nice. Well, one of the things I did when um, when my dog Bingley had cancer, um, after he passed, there were had been numerous vets in, in his care. And so um, I have my own line of, of uh, animal art called Animal-Centric Designs, um, cards and stuff. So I had mugs made for all of them um, with a dog with a cone on it sighing. And on the back of it, it says, uh, sit, stay, heal, H-E-A-L. And uh, sent one of those to to all of them, uh, just as a way of saying, you know, thanks, because um, you know it was it was um, it was a long, hard six months of fighting cancer. So, Stephanie, thank you so so much for joining us. I think this has been a great episode. I think that you have given us a lot of good things to think about. Um, and I think that it's given us a nice insight onto the, the other side of that veterinary door that most of us don't think about. And, uh, so is there anything that you would like to add that we haven't covered that you think is really important for people to know? Yes. So I cannot stress doing blood work annually on your dogs. Um, I Personally, I can attest that six months after perfectly normal blood work, I had a dead dog. So anything can change very quickly. Um, if you have something to compare it to, so like with Tina's situation, they did blood work on Marco and it was perfectly normal. If there was something that was abnormal and we had something to compare it to, we would know that it may be normal for him. Um, and we can always predict trends in that blood work. Um, I think it's a great tool. That's why our human doctors suggest it every year. Um, I know it's an extra cost and expense, but, um, I think it's immeasurably, um, beneficial to know where your dog's, you know, liver, kidney, complete blood count, um, levels are at and to catch things early. Um, a couple other things I did want to mention, don't wait until the end of the day to bring in a dog or a pet that has been sick for all day or a week. You know, we always get those calls. My clinic closes at six. We get those calls between five and six of, Hey, my dog's having diarrhea. Um, uh, it's been going on for like a week, but now it's an emergency. Can I come in? Um, please give us the benefit of the doubt in time to work up your pet, do diagnostics and provide proper care. We always toy with the, should we stay late and miss time with our families to help your pets? Um, and a lot of the times we do give in and that's really only contributing to the poor mental health of the veterinary industry. Um, so try not to tie our hands if you notice something is off with your pet, tell us. Please be honest. Um, tell us if you think they might have eaten something um, with the you know, notion of foreign bodies and ingestions of inanimate objects. Just tell us if there's a possibility. 
that it may have happened um, and be totally honest. We don't care. We're not the police. We just need to know why your pet is acting weird and how to treat it. Um, rabies vaccine required by law. Your vet can't change that. We're required to give a rabies vaccine to any healthy animal. We can't disregard it because you don't want to give it. You will have to sign a waiver um, at your vet saying that you don't want to give it, but it is required by law. The other thing that's required by law, at least in Georgia, um, is an annual exam to prescribe medications. So if we haven't seen your pet in two years, we can't give you heart guard. We can't give you that trazodone to help your vet help your pet um, be handleable at the vet appointment. Um, we do have to have a client-patient relationship. So keep up to date on things and when the last time you were at your vet so that we can help you help your pet. All right. Thank you very much. The one thing I will say about rabies is rabies is not just an animal disease. Rabies is one of the few that can go across species. And if you get rabies, you die. That's the bottom line. So um, nobody, I don't, I don't think there's been maybe in the entire history of mankind, one person who has recovered from rabies, if that. So this is not just about your pet. This is about genuine public health. And veterinarians have in their veterinary oath a pledge to protect the public health. So not only is it a law, it's also a requirement for them in their own pledge to protect, you know, to be a steward of public health. So. With that, Tina, do you have any lovely parting comments? No, I just want to thank the vets and the vet techs out there and to let them know that um, that we see their grief and we see their pain and we see their incredible heart and that they show up every day for families, even when families are in crisis and maybe not super happy. Um and that we will at least try to be gentle yes. with them. That's right. And if you've like, that's right, muffins. bring muffins, like them on social media and uh, give them good reviews. And in fact, if you're on social media, giving your vet a good review, just pop on over to your family dog and give us a five-star review as well. That will help others find us and uh, raise our SEO or search engine optimization. And uh, that's good for everybody. If you us. like us, That's right. Share if you us. like us, share us. So thanks. And we'll see you all next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.